Hello, everyone. Good morning. It is Monday morning again, 8 a.m. here on the West Coast. And we are so excited to have you here this morning. We are going to have a really fun episode today. We're going to be talking about gaming and team building and how that can integrate into your strategy for community building. But first, we always like to have a little chat about non-community stuff and kind of <laughs> what's going on out in the world. So, Laura, how was your weekend? Weekend was good. Thank you. I'm taking my time to answer because I'm like, what did I do? It hasn't been long, but I seem to have already forgotten. Um, no, it was a good weekend. Yesterday was kind of a rainy day here, so it was very low-key, which was nice. I like a good rainy day, but then I often kind of get myself into like deep organizing and cleaning moods when that happens, which I did yesterday, trying to tackle my daughter's room. That was a lot. She loves her little treasures, as we call them. She's five. And uh, she just collects things, all kinds of things. Shells, rocks, scraps of paper, pieces of fabric, <laughs> kitchen utensils. So I did a little bit of a deep dive in her room. Um, oh, actually, highlight of the weekend, my husband and I had a, a rare date night, which was great. Um, my daughter does gymnastics, and they had like a parent's night out situation, which we'd never done before. Mm -hmm. That's fun. So we, it was fun. So we tried that and we went to dinner and it was great. Um, yeah. But what about you? It was your birthday. So happy belated. It was my birthday. Yes. Uh, thank you. And we did, we did shopping. So I have three girls Ooh. in the house. So all of us went out and we went shopping and um, I've got two teenagers and so that was really fun one is really starting to come into her own as far as like her style and kind of what mm -hmm. she wants to do and the other one has been a teenager since she was like nine so <laughs> she, <laughs> she's teaching me how to be a girl um <laughs> so that was really fun but uh but yeah i mean we had a good time and then actually my now 14 year old her birthday was on friday and so we have back-to-back -back birthdays and so her birthday wish was to just spend a day with me just hanging out and so we did just we literally vegged on sunday and she watched anime and i don't even remember what i did i think i took a nap i think we oh, just like nicely laid done and hung out and it was great it was the best um That's and then awesome. My husband, bless him, took the other two out to like go play at the local fun center with like laser tag and video games and stuff. So I think everybody had a pretty good, pretty good weekend this this weekend. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, happy belated to both you and your daughter. And Thank man, you. I hope I am so fortunate to have a 14-year-old whose birthday wishes to hang out with me because I feel like <laughs> we're already wandering out of that phase so uh <laughs> that's pretty special it is uh it is something i'm i'm so grateful for i think about it a lot because having a blended family is really something that nobody gives you a manual for and it's something yeah. that nobody prepares you for and so it's something that there's a lot of communities out there for blended families and for parents, but I think a lot of us go there and we just see other people also struggling. Mm. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, I've dealt with that too. Okay. So what do we do? <laughs> yep. Yep. Everyone wants Let's to know what do we do? Together. We'll get through this together. Mm -hmm. And there's no, I think the real thing is there's no right or wrong answer for anybody, for any situation. You just have to kind of build an intuition and and live humanly and recognize that your kids are little humans too and that if you treat them with the same respect that you would want um i think also it helps that like for our first go around my husband and i were both relatively young like mm -hmm. uh my oldest my oldest my 14 year old was um born when I was 23 and his, our oldest, she will be 15 in November as well. Um, she was born when he was 25. 
we also remember what it was like to be that age, right? It's like, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago for us. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's easy for us to, on the one hand, be like, okay, but I remember what I was getting up to at that age. So, you know, (laughs) no, you're not going to go and do that stuff with your friends. Both helpful Um, and a little bit concerning at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also like, I remember what it was like to feel that way. And want to have your independence and want to be able to be trusted to do the things. And these are the things I was grateful that my parents trusted me with. And here's how I turned out kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a struggle having teenagers, man, teenagers are a struggle, but they can really surprise you. And um, I just have some moments where I'm like, I'm so proud of you kids. You know, you're turning into little adults and that's really cool. So there's really, yeah. There's some things. <laughs> Very special to watch, I'm sure. I mean, challenging at times, but I think to your point, yeah. probably probably special. Well, yeah. that's lovely. I just love hearing that. And I'm glad you all were able to veg out and do a little shopping. And, you know, it sounds yeah. like a lovely, lovely weekend. Yeah, it was. And I mean, how great for you to have an opportunity to have a date night. Like my husband <laughs> and I were just talking the other day about, um, you know, asking a friend to watch our kids. And it's not so much, I mean, obviously I have teenagers so they can hang out at home and hang out with the five-year-old, but also we don't want them to also have the burden all the time of being responsible Mm -hmm. for her. And so we were talking about like, oh, we should have them all go over and spend the night at one of our family friends' house so that they can just hang out and, uh, we can actually have a date. We haven't had a date in ever. Too long. Too long. Mm -hmm. No, like legitimately, I think we have had maybe two actual dates, just the two of us. Oh, Jamie, you gotta. (laughs) Yeah. Call that friend. Call that friend. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, and part of it's been, we live pretty remote and babysitters have been super sketchy and super like hard to stay on top of. Um, We've had people flake out. We've had people like we even like pet sitters have been really, really tough to get nailed down. (laughs) Ariel says in the, (laughs) in the comments ever. Yeah. Ever. Like, We've always had the little one with us because we've never been able to get anybody who can be consistent and, and show up and not like call out the day of like, Oh, I'm sick or, Oh, I turns out I'm not available. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I just realized like 10 minutes before. Oh, it's Valentine's day. I'm so sorry. I am not available suddenly. Like what? Yeah, I booked you weeks ago. How are you gonna do this? So yeah, it's been not awesome. And eventually I gave up. I was like, this is so exhausting just trying to find somebody that I can trust to watch my kids. Now that they're a little older and the youngest is five, I'm like, okay, I feel a little better about trying again and trying to find somebody. Plus, you know, the older girls are old enough to watch her if if I need to. So we're willing to like, give this a shot again, but yeah, it's been a lot. And then COVID and all that. So all the things. Yeah. You guys, well, we if need, you a, need date. a date night <laughs> accountability buddy, I yes. will sign up and yes, you, you know, we chat regularly, but we definitely chat on here. So if you need me thank to just you. casually check in with you in a couple of weeks, <laughs> put a little, you know, urgency maybe to, to call that friend. I'm happy to be that person if you want. Thank so. you. Like, it's bad. <laughs> even even the soon-to-be 15-year-old is like, I feel like you guys need to go on a date. Like, <laughs> if you want me to watch her, I will. <laughs> and I'm like, you are the best. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I love that. We will we will do a thing. So, okay. yeah, and it's it, it will happen. It will happen soon. Promise. Well, there, well, I will check in and see so, how it's going. Uh, actually, that's an interesting transition. So Ooh. when I had my uh, now 14-year-old, so I'm going to just, we'll just use names. So uh, my kids are Cheyenne is the oldest. I have Serafina is the middle. And then Charlotte is the youngest. 
I will definitely mix up all their names because we were really smart and we're like, we're going to have a CSC <laughs> mix of names in the house. So we definitely uh, just smash all their names together. Um, so when Serafina was a baby uh, in my first marriage, that was when I really started getting interested in D&D, in Dungeons and Dragons. And um, I had some friends at work who that they had been playing for a long time. I'd never played before. And I was like, I need some sort of social interaction. I cannot leave my house. My husband works all the time. <laughs> can you guys come over and can we do a game at the house? And you can teach me how to play. And so that was when I finally got to play. And sad face, I only got to play a few times. And uh, then we ended up moving and that whole thing fell apart. So I'm super excited to have this conversation today with Josh. Um, but I really found that was a really great way to bond with others. Have you had a chance, Laura, ever to play D&D or to really get uh, introduced to the game? I have not. So I'm very out of my depth today. The team building thing is I can anchor on that, but the the, the gaming piece is out of my comfort zone for sure. So I, I have a lack of familiarity there. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about the team building piece. Tell me a little bit about your experience with team building and uh, let's see if we can make a tie between the two from your experience. Like what have you done that you found works really well with team building and kind of how does fun fit into that? Well, I think that's it. The fun piece, right? You know, in a team environment, there should be an element of fun. And I actually listened to a really great talk recently. Uh, the woman's name is Kathy. I'm forgetting her last name, but she talked a lot about fun and particularly humor and positive laughter and the presence of positive laughter being indicative of a trusting culture. And so to me, fun is a gateway to positive laughter, to, you know, being yourself and kind of letting down a guard of maybe an otherwise kind of built up armor that we sometimes have in professional settings when we don't really feel like we know folks or we don't really trust someone. So while I certainly, you know, don't have familiar with Dungeons and Dragons or, or that type of gaming. At its core, it seems like even in your experience, you brought people together. There was a community element. There was a fun element. I'm sure there was some laughter. Like that's all really healthy. And so I'm curious to learn more about kind of this specific type of, type of gaming and, and how that could be incorporated into the things I'm talking about. Yeah. So you mentioned trust and that's a big thing that I talk about a lot on community building as well. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, as you're building psychological safety and getting people able to open up and, and, you know, actually be able to build relationships beyond just, oh yeah, that's so-and-so they do accounting or whatever. Right. Um, actually building those team bonds. Uh, I think is important. So yeah, I'm super excited to dig into this with Josh some more. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring Josh to the stage. And I am so excited to introduce you all to Josh Lesnick, who is our guest today. And Josh, I will let you introduce yourself, but I will say Josh is a professional Dungeons and Dragons uh, dungeon master and team builder. And I will hand it over to you and let you build on that as, as you prefer. Okay, yeah, uh, really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm Josh Selesnik. I uh, have my own company called Playing for Keeps where I use D&D uh, for team building. Um, but my my life has changed a lot. That kind of like was my starting point as, as a private consultant and I now work full-time inside of a larger company um doing team building it's not just around DD. i also do a lot of more traditional team building like personality tools and facilitating like retrospectives and ways that people can connect so but i do not think that i would be the facilitator that i am today if i was not a dungeon master for years which so or i heard that you don't that's like what <laughs> does that I'm happen sorry. it's okay. <laughs> No, it, Dungeon Master sounds like it happens in a basement somewhere. It's not. Um, well, in my mind, it does. So I, I let's let's uh, let's see what we can do about that. So it's um, it's kind of just being the facilitator of the game. So everyone who's not me just has a character. That's your character that you play. 
And then the facilitator's job is to sort of weave the story around that. They're going to be the narrator. They're going to tell you what problems come up. But for most of the players, they just have a character they invented, and that's who they are in the process of playing. That's awesome. Um, so You're a storyteller. I'm a storyteller. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And in a really beautiful way. I don't mean it like in a... Oh, no. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. The compliment received. Um, <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. So... Um, so yeah, so it's it's storytelling and it's communal storytelling the game because everyone's kind of like putting a little their own little spin into the pot together, and I found there's something that can be really sort of thrilling and 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 I don't know like pleasurable about about doing that as a community. So and that yeah, because you're building it together, right? Like you, everybody has uh, they've bought into this story because everybody's yes. invested, right? Yes, everybody. Ideally, everybody's invested and and is feeling like they want to like they want to participate. Um, now, if, if you've done some corporate team building in the past, you might know that getting people to come in invested is not always the easiest thing to do. Um, and has been uh, was a challenge in the initial in in my initial times, but at this point, I'm feeling a lot more uh, confident in terms of how how to. But it, but it you. You want that level of investment where people are excited to play and, and lit up about the character that they've created. Usually you want them to feel emotionally connected in some way to it. And that helps it be, I don't know, special. So I think you kind of answered my first question already, which was what makes D&D an ideal game to bring people into this? So how do you get people who are kind of skeptical or they're new to the concept of D&D to get bought in? And, and get uh, kind of overcome that initial shyness or skepticism about role playing and about getting into the character. Well, uh, I create videos. So I'll send like a video to my client ahead of time where it's me being like, Barovia is a dark land forsaken by its king. Its forests are large and unkept. And, and I, I'll sort of like narrate them into the world and then so I'll tell them sort of the genre that they're in. Maybe it's pirates. Maybe it's, you know, uh, Dracula horror. We just did that because it's, you know, the season, to, the season mm -hmm. to be creepy. Yeah. Um, and, and then I'll have them build a character. And when I, when I have them build a character, the most important part is your character's reason for being a hero, for, 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 being, for going on this particular adventure. And I'll tell them, like, you know, the adventure that you're going on in, in the case of the horror one is like... Um, there's a baroness who's been kidnapped and her husband wants you to get her back. And so he's willing to pay you a lot to do that or give whatever else he has within his, his wheelhouse. And so I ask you, like, if your character were to get that money, what would they spend it on? What would matter enough? And it's really important that you create a reason that feels compelling to you that you can feel emotionally connected to. Like if you could imagine they have children that they would be doing it for and that that rings true to you, that touches something in you. And I heard you guys talking earlier, your parents, so. Um, then then that's what you wanna put in the story because that's gonna make you emotionally invested and that's gonna make it a better experience for you. That's how, like I just tell them flat out, that's how you get the most out of this is to do that. And then people usually come packing with really cool characters. Cause I love that. So you have them build their character ahead of time, sounds mm -hmm. like. And yep. you give them some guidance via video. I love that because that probably gets them. I mean, people are consuming more in the way of video these days, and that helps them kind of get more involved. Yeah. yeah. Laura, what questions do you have for Josh? Because this is this is new for you, right? As a game concept. I, I I'm just trying to take it all in. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know that I have an intelligent sounding question, but I'm just so fascinated by. It. And again, I think mm -hmm. the aspect I didn't realize in learning that you really are this storyteller, that you are creating this world for people is yeah. so fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, your depth of kind of creativity and humanity, I think all the things that have to come into play to be able to do that for, I imagine, like a fairly large group of people, mm -hmm. I, I think is, um, I just think is really wonderful. And, oh. and to me, it starts to connect yeah. to the teamwork piece too, yeah. right? I, you know, I was a leader for many, many years in the tech world. And while we didn't necessarily talk about it in this language, but as leaders, you're really storytellers, right? To help people yeah. understand like why we're doing things or what's our destination, right? There's an element of storytelling 
both professionally and even just personally being like, hey, I'm Laura. Here's this anecdotal little thing that happened to me that might relate to you and make you feel better about your situation. So anyway, I see you want to jump in. So I'll pause. Well, I just that uh, that's really great that you have that you've made the the leap to to your own experience as a leader, you know, winning people over for projects, making them invested, seeing the why. Yeah, I totally get that. That's awesome. Because you're doing that within within you know, my game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But right. then it sounds like professionally, you also figured out how to translate that for other people in the trainings that you do, right? Is that kind of ultimately part of what? Yeah, I think I think what's nice about it is, is there's a lot of soft skills that go into D&D because it's a community, like it's a storytelling game that we're all doing. There's usually five to six players. So there's me and then five to six. So it's a small team. Okay. And they're bouncing off each other. And they have to sort of find ways to keep each other engaged, to to play with mm-hmm. each other. So there's a lot of soft skill stuff that goes into it um, in terms of just like active listening, I think is one of the big things that I see people getting trained in when they play it. Um, and it's not like I'm explicitly telling them that, but I can, in order to do it well, everyone sort of picks up like, oh, I need to be really keyed in and paying mm-hmm. really close attention to what my partners are doing. It's kind of like when people do improv, they say that uh, listening is the biggest thing that they were trained in, was really learning to listen to their partner and find when they're going to come in. And, yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we lost Jamie, but I'm sure she'll be back. Okay. But, but <laughs> for acknowledging that. That's yes. So, so um, listening, well, I would imagine, so actively, like truly actively listening, I think is when you're just hearing what the person is saying and you're not, trying to think about the next thing you're going to say, yeah. right? And I would imagine in kind of these training environments, especially if people aren't familiar, like if you plopped me into a Dungeons and Dragons team event, like I would have no idea what was happening and really mm-hmm. it would eliminate my my ability to anticipate. Mm-hmm. So I can see how what you're saying is you really would then have to actively listen because you're not only, you're just trying to figure out what's going on right? Yes. So yes. that's really interesting that the act of listening is something you've noticed as a huge takeaway, but I can see how that works. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's uh, that's one of the big things. Jamie, you back? Welcome back. Oh no, she maybe is not fully back. She looks like she's pensively trying Pensive to figure out. To figure out audio. <laughs> no, audio. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So we got a new kitten, and the kitten has come in, unplugged the computer, unplugged the camera, destroyed all the things. So I apologize. I missed some of that. It's okay. The cat's (laughs) like, no, you're going to hang out with me right now. As well, I've noticed. (laughs) No, it's great. Anyway. You're good. Hi. I don't know what I missed, but here we are. (laughs) So you played D&D before? Uh, I did. Yes. It has been many years, sadly, and I miss it terribly. Mm. Um, I do not want to disrupt the context of this conversation. So okay, fair. I, I don't know where we were. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was going to, to ask a couple of contextual or logistic questions like, you know, how long do you typically engage with a team? And do you have sort of outcomes that you set out for them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll catch you up really quickly. We were just mostly talking about how D&D is good for active listening as a as a tool. That's kind Ironic, of one of the skills yeah. that I see it. I mean, <laughs> normally we don't have kittens who are just caught out in the fray. Yeah, <laughs> havoc, mayhem, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so for groups, I'll tend to have them run for, I mean, ideally I'm working with a group like once a quarter would be really, is is kind of when my favorite cadence for, for that. Because um, what's nice is that each story, you know, builds builds on itself. And then, um, you know, they'll, they'll go on the first adventure where, you know, they rescue the Baroness. And then they get whatever the Baron promised them. I'm going to give you a knighthood. I'm going to give you money for your family. And then... And then I go home and I go, okay, cool. So now that they have all these things, what's the next logical problem that they can have? What's another quest that they could go on? And then I find a way to continue the story for them so that the characters kind of build 
it becomes meaningful over time, more meaningful over time as they've had gone on more adventures together and they feel more confident also in the medium. Like they're not, they're not like just figuring it out for the first time, but they're feeling like they know it. Um, hello, kitten. Um, yes. oh. Her name is Tav. She's uh, back. Oh, she's yes, a I'm gonna keep her off the desk this time. She thinks it's really funny to go back there and hit all the cables. Mm. Um, okay, so you so, yeah. are thinking about longevity after they complete the first session. Do you check in with them? Do you check in with each individual player? Like, how did this campaign work out for you? And I'm thinking about this in the context of community building, right? We have different stages of the life cycle where we go, okay, we've engaged with you in this particular phase. You as a member have transformed over the course of this engagement. And, you know, from a team building perspective, an employee or a team member has, has transformed in some way over yeah. that, we hope. Do you check in with them after the fact? Uh, no, but that's what sounds like a brilliant idea, honestly, just hearing <laughs> it from, from that but, perspective. I mean, I imagine if you're engaging with them again, um, you know, you want to think about how you're building out that next experience with a particular like goal in mind. Like, what do I want to help them achieve in this next thing? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I interface with the team lead. So I usually have a point of contact who, okay. who I do work closely with. Um, and that person is who I kind of get my asset, like, you know, uh, wh whatever the team lead is in that particular scenario, maybe it's a scrum master, maybe it's a sure. RTE or something like that. I work with a lot of agile companies. Um, but I mean, uh, that's, that's their game, right? That's their job is they can tell you like, Hey, let's, <laughs> let's focus on this thing next. Right. So you right, are checking yeah. in with them. Yeah. So I do check in with them, yeah. but checking in with the individual players would be interesting too, to really get to the bones of like, how was that for you specifically? Yeah. Cause they're probably not expecting to hear from me. And, and I imagine it would sort of be a nice moment of, Oh, wow. He cares that much about my experience. And I do, I do. I mean, in my home games, when I run this for my friends, I'm really focused on doing, you know, I, I have one-on-ones with everyone in my group because I want to know about your character and where you're at so I can make the story about you in the coming episode and about what you want to explore. Cause it's really, I feel like I'm very much in a servant role a lot of the yeah. time that like they have something that they want to do. So, you know, they're the main character, right? I'm just the one who's making the magic happen and sort of guiding it in some way. Um, but they're the ones who should be on the center stage and doing most I, of the talking. I see so many parallels between the dungeon master role and the community manager role because there is yeah. so much prep involved. I mean, it's it's intimidating, I think, in some ways the, mm -hmm. to people who are new to D&D &D, to think about being a dungeon master because there's so much that you have to think about, right? Not only are you creating the world, but you have to think about all of the different variables of you know when somebody rolls all what are all the different outcomes right and how are you yeah. going to handle that if uh and i mean you can probably elaborate on this more for for laura and others who haven't played the game yeah, yeah. but like what are the different outcomes if they encounter something they have to roll and see what happens and you as the dungeon master have to facilitate that interaction right yes can you elaborate on that a little bit more i'm not explaining it well sure. um <laughs> So no, you did great. I mean, uh, yeah, to to build that. So so yeah. So Laura, so the game involves dice, kind of famously. Um, it uses these little twenty sided dice. The cute one. This one's metal. Hmm. That's cool looking. Yeah. Right. Um, like dice collecting itself is a whole thing, and they are really cool. <laughs> you can get like sets of these that are like seventy dollars or something, made out of cut turquoise or whatever junk. Um, hmm. But uh so you'll use the dice in the storytelling because you don't always want it to just be up to one person to decide what's going to happen sometimes you want to leave it up to fate or chance where even i don't know what's going to happen so if there's a point in the story where something exciting is going to happen and it could go one of two ways then i'll say okay we'll roll the dice and we'll find out what happens um and usually it's between success and failure so if you're like scaling a cliff or something like that and we're gonna see if you're gonna make it or you're gonna fall um and that could have two different outcomes in the story you'll, you'll use the dice for that that's um, cool yeah it's neat it adds tension i mean it's the 
we all like gambling. <laughs> <laughs> but here you're, you're gambling with, with a character that you've fallen in love with, not money. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it all comes down to that emotional investment piece, I think. And then the dice are just there to potentially have bad outcomes that I would never really want to happen, but sometimes something bad happens. And, you know, in stories, you need consequences, you need failure, you need the moment of uh, sure. uh, drama. So, yeah. Well, just like, I mean, that's real life or that's in business or, you know, yeah. an unexpected request from leadership comes or a pivot or, you know, I mean, I think that replicates true experience. Uh, so that element of the dice is pretty interesting. Yeah. And well, I know Jamie, I, oh, go ahead, go Jamie. Ahead, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, you said this paralleled like the community manager role, which I can appreciate that it probably does, but so much of the language you were using too, Josh, again, reminiscent of being a leader. You mentioned being the servant leader, being, you know, responsible for everybody else um, in a circumstance, which is, which is often the role of, of leading a team of people. So in that regard, I'm kind of curious, like, how did you, what was your journey to become the dungeon master because that's a very different skill set i imagine as you were a character you had your yeah. kind of storyline to worry about like how do you get elevated to someone to be a dungeon master and then i'm curious if that parallels at all you know people's le leadership well, journeys or things like that yeah i mean i went through a training and like program in my life um the mm. team management and leadership program during the pandemic i was a part of that Cool. Um, which was a really powerful uh, kind of personal development and team, like how to motivate and inspire teams. Um, and I, um, I guess I, I, I had been a dungeon master before then just for my friends because somebody had to do it, but I did <laughs> feel like the role changed a lot when I started taking out, taking those courses and thinking about myself in the terms that you were using, like, a, like being a servant, like, like caring more about my team's investment than my agenda, right? Mm -hmm. um, and 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 applying those that that if it's a team that my team member should care about the mission that I care about as much as I do. Like if they're lit, if they are inspired by by what I am, then we're a better. So so I think my my journey shifted then. And I, I guess I felt called to, to do it because it seemed like this is just who I am. I, I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I'm a natural facilitator. I think it, you know, personality wise, I'm an ENFP. Like I like, I like people. I like ideas. I like possibilities. I, I like, you know, all that. So I, I tended to get really invested in um, just the individuals that were, that were around me and the idea that I could, tell a story that would help them find fulfillment and learn to work together as a team was like, I want, I want to start a company that does that for people. You know? Yeah. Well, good for you for doing it. I mean, you know, sometimes I think people stop short of the actual doing it. So I, I love that you oh, felt that and you kept pushing forward. I'm an ENFJ. So Whoa. Close. Nice. Yeah. Hey, what's up friend? Well, yeah, close. You got that last yeah. letter difference. But Jamie, do you know? Do you know I what don't I'm talking know about? Mine is. I don't. No, okay. I should probably do that someday. It's kind of fun. It's the Myers Briggs for those who are listening. Like, I what are these weird like, letters they're talking about? Right. I feel like I've done mine, but I don't remember what my letters are. Yeah. Do you know what yours means, Laura? Your, your ENFJ, what it means to you? I don't. It's been a long time since I've taken it, but I remember it really resonated. And I've taken it, I took it a few times, usually through some sort of leadership training. And it was always the same. So I felt like, well, this may be a good Probably. marker. And I kind of remember like the E was extroversion and um, one of them was N feeling or no, that was the F I, probably. I, so one thing, so I told you I got this full-time job you know, I moved, I moved in, I'm doing other team building. I got certified as a Myers-Briggs facilitator like a year Ooh, ago. Ooh, we need um, to have so a sidebar. I can tell you exactly what those letters are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I mean, my curiosity is deeply intrigued, but well, I don't want to deviate too much from our, our kind of intended community topic. Well, good okay, for you, though. That's awesome. Are there Myers-Briggs personality types that fit D&D &D classes? I just, I got to know that one. <laughs> 
I mean, you know, your wizards are pretty much always going to be an introvert because they're very bookish. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they just want to be alone with a book. That's kind of like the 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 stereotypical. Um, I by the way, I'm totally engaging in stereotyping right now. Any of these, <laughs> not, it, they are. This is for fun, and I don't actually believe it, I, anyone could be anything. I'll say that. Anyone can um, be a wizard. Anyone can be a wizard. <laughs> uh, your introverts will also probably like rogues because rogues are sneaky and they don't want to be in the spotlight. Uh, your extroverts are probably bards because uh, they want to be... Center of attention. It's <laughs> good for them. So I do find um, the one interesting commonality, so the intuitive, the e, like the N, that second letter, mm -hmm. That means that you're like a really theoretical thinker. You're like big picture oriented, comfortable with ambiguity. Things don't have to be super specific. You can see patterns really well. Um, hmm. the, so that tends to be what the N represents. And I find that there's a class in D&D &D who, who's, who's called a, a sorcerer. And they their magic sort of flows through them. And they can't always explain how it's happening but it's more of like an emotive feeling and and it kind of comes through them almost physically and i find that usually people who play those have those traits of being someone who really has that sort of creative way of approaching the world which is fun it's interesting i love that i want to call out ariel's comment uh saying just like in real life there's a chance that your community building efforts will not 20 and you are super successful and other times you just don't quite hit that DC and it's a miss. So you need to recalibrate for another attempt. And that is so true. And wow. it made me think about uh, something that I think is undervalued in the community building world and probably in the team building world. And that is celebrating together. And I think mm -hmm. that if you are incorporating um joint celebrations of something that you have achieved together, whether it's clearing a dungeon or, uh, you know, beating a, a tough challenge together or achieving something that you worked to build together. That's one of those moments that really brings people together in a, and, and builds one of those bonds that really can last. Um, and so I think that's one of those things that probably you can get out of incorporating gaming into your team building and your your community building activities oh for sure yeah like a fun like i mean imagine like hitting a fundraising goal or something like that in a yeah. community i mean that's got to be huge or god yeah and now i'm thinking like kickstarter communities how excited people get for all that that world um but yeah it's it's great i the victories that my friends have achieved in our completely fantastical imaginary environments, they talk about like they actually did them. And it's really special to hear them. Uh, and they're catalyzing moments, right? Where they're like, oh man, and that one time that you killed that ogre, that was so cool because you like backstabbed that thing. And and you're yeah. like, yeah, that totally happened, dude. Right, and it gets really <laughs> meaningful too. I, yeah. We had this one really big battle where one of our characters got turned to stone and we'd been playing with her as this character for over a year. And like, she meant so much to us. And so when that happened to her and there's, there's stone is not just in the rules of the game. It's not something you can come back from very easily. Like there, it, it when it happens, you're basically dead. And and this game deals with permanent death when a character dies. So you you the threat of mm -hmm. losing someone you care about that if you played that long is actually very real. And so and I still remember the moment that one of the other characters like figured out how she could turn her back, and it was like they were practically crying that like they just saved their friend from a terminal illness. It was really special. Um, yeah, I don't know. Where I'm going with yeah, this. Yeah, and I mean it's it's yeah. it's hard to imagine that, but and it's not that the person who is playing the character has to leave or something, like they can create a new character, but the amount of time and preparation that goes into creating a character and then playing them for that long just really does feel like a loss. And I think that you know, people who have never played that game, um maybe can relate to that in the way that, you know, putting a lot of time and investment into a project that suddenly gets sunset, that suddenly yeah. gets just shut down out of nowhere. And you're just like, 
what? <laughs> you know, people jokingly say like, oh, that project is so-and-so's baby. Like, yeah, it's it's not a real baby, but you certainly feel a deep sense of loss. And in this sense, there's the emotional context of having the humanization of a character that has a personality that has interfaced and built relationships. And I think in that way, like, I will admit to the world on the internet that I met my first husband playing World of Warcraft. Like, that is, oh. yep, yep, waving my nerd flag loud and proud today. Uh, <laughs> you know, Love we yeah. met online, we lived across the country from each other, and like, you can build real genuine relationships in these fantastical worlds that become, uh, you know, very deep and emotional. And, you know, when you're sitting around the table with people who are real humans, even if you're playing in a fantastical world with pretend characters, you're invested in them. And kind of bringing us back to the beginning of our conversation where if you get people invested in what you're building together, they will care about what you're doing, even if it's a hundred percent pretend. Yeah. And so this idea of building community for the sake of community is not uh, a silly notion, right? Like people want and need something to be invested in. And so when we think about putting that into business, I mean, obviously the company that you're working for now feels that that is a worthwhile investment, right? That, you know, you're building these teams to be stronger and they recognize the, the business benefit of that. And, you know, if you do that on a large scale at a community level, then, you know, you're doing the same thing and you're doing it in a way that's making the, the, the large group of people feel invested in achieving the same goal, right? Totally. Hi, Todd. Welcome to the stream. Beautifully said, Jane. <laughs> really, really beautifully said. Yeah. Um, whew, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. I, don't know. <laughs> I have this cat like chewing on my face right now. <laughs> You're making um, my brain not work very well. Katie. She's very cute, though. Uh, something yeah. I was thinking about, <clears throat> Jamie when you were sharing your experience of meeting your husband, you know, and he was across the country and talking about connection and through these experiences, you build that even when you're in very different places. Mm -hmm. Some of the thoughts I started having were relating to kind of the very remote or hybrid work environments we find ourselves in. And I feel like a lot of companies still feel very challenged by that. And I think this to me is a great example of like things you can draw from the experience of like Dungeons and yeah. Dragons to facilitate connection, regardless of where people are. Absolutely. Cause I, you know, I've seen it, I've worked remotely since 2011, you know, since before we were all forced into it. So I'm very oh, cool. comfortable in that space yeah. and I can, I've seen it done really well. So I know it's possible, but I also see a great majority of folks who are kind of thrust into it and still feel very, I think, uncomfortable. So I just yeah. heard a lot about how, you know, the work Josh is doing and Dungeons and Dragons, I really, I don't know, like what can people draw from that to help lead better remote and hybrid teams? Well, and I, are you doing all of your work remotely, Josh? Yeah, I'm fully, I was brought on for okay. remote teams. I mean, large, Very, for yep. remote teams. I think you're hitting on the thing there. And there's so many components I've recognized that go into like helping remote teams, company structure, having great mm -hmm. online chat channels, having a company where you can just reach out and be like, hey, I need support from somebody and they'll make the time to hop on a Zoom. Like all that stuff, you know, like it's, it's there's such a big picture in terms of making that making it work uh but what i find works for our games is that people after they played feel more comfortable reaching out mm -hmm. to each other like there's a way you just totally lower you know what it comes back to something we said earlier on which was psychological safety mm -hmm. um you feel safe with someone it, to play this game you have to you have to make a fool of you you have to play pretend like if i told people <laughs> like hey, do you want to do you want to hallucinate a story with me for like an hour and a half 
Like, how does that sound? You'd be like, what? We'll roll some dice. Like, it doesn't, it requires a, a, a willingness to look silly, to put, to let your guard down. And vulnerability, yeah. yeah. Vulnerability, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and then so, and that just translates because it makes it easier for them to then, and I'm mostly talking about like after the first game, like when when you initially are, are trying to break down the, the barriers of. Sure. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this company. I'm fully remote. And they're in St. Louis. And so like, I, I have this experience sometimes of feeling really lonely here. I'm an, I'm an extrovert. I like people. And so, and so I can, I really empathize with some people's struggles, but I, I get that you really, it's easy, even in a welcoming environment to think everybody's too busy for me. I don't know what's going on. I, I shouldn't bother them, but I feel so disconnected and maybe even aimless to a degree about, you know, how much I'm contributing or, you know, now these people are just names on a screen and you want to, you know, you want to, that's a, it's a real, you know, thing to have to deal with. I think. Yeah. I think there's a lot of insecurity too, like the out of sight, out of mind thing, you know, people, Yeah. I don't know who decided that it was okay to tell remote people that, you know, oh, well, you're less likely to get promoted if you are remote. Like, I'm the same as Laura. I've been remote for over a decade. And I have worked at big companies. I worked at SAP remotely. I worked at MongoDB remotely. Like, that was never an issue. And so I just want to say loudly and clearly for the folks in the back, like that is not a thing. And don't let anybody tell you that that's a thing. And anybody who's using that as an excuse to keep you from being promoted and paid properly is full of it. So find people who appreciate you and are willing to pay you accordingly. I say, as I sit here stroking this cat, like Dr. Evil, but um, (laughs) you know, it's, it really is something that the company culture really has to support. And I think that bringing in people like you, Josh, who are are able to help people to understand how to have those um, relationships that are functional and healthy and strong and don't require people to be sitting in the cubicle next to them mm-hmm. to have like non-transactional conversations with each other, yeah. I think it's really, really critical. And maybe we need more people like you who are going out and teaching people how to be human again while using the technology that we have. Because I think that's really what it is. It's like, okay, we have the the technology and we have the people. Okay, for the record, that is not my cat meowing. <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> We've got more than one cat on this podcast. I don't have any other cats. It's the cat podcast. (laughs) Rebrand. Rebrand. Get up here, girl. (laughs) Show them your fur. Right? Like, look, there's a friend. She's She's talking to you. Can you come up here? No, she's not going to come up here. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Who's your cat, Josh? You can at least... Who's your oh, cat? No, I'm just trying to oh, her name's Tawny. Um, Tawny. She's a big calico cat. She's a, a big girl. And uh, yeah, she's so sweet. Um, she's so sweet. She seems like she's like, I'm missing out. What is going on right? there? I heard there were cats. Yeah. No, Where there's a door that's closed right there. And that's the real issue is that there's oh. a closed door. And, but my fiance is working in the other room. So, oh. well, this one was sitting outside of my door yowling, which is why I was all distracted earlier, like flipping my green screen up and down and opening and closing doors. She Don't was like, let me in. I heard you have friends in there. <laughs> I'm feeling a little left out. I'm not going to lie. I, don't, I have an elderly blind dog okay, who has well. no idea what's going on because he can't hear what's happening. Yeah. He's like, I don't care. I'm just going to exist <laughs> over here. It's fine. This well, this one was supposed to be a barn cat. We got it. <gasps> there she is. Oh, oh she's hi. cute. Yeah. No, she's you cannot get in my mouth. Look. She's doing look. a purr. Say hi, kitty. <laughs> this one has like an extra loud purr box. I don't know if you can hear her. Uh, no. 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 Mm-hmm. Bummer. This yeah. is hilarious. I love this. This is how this has evolved. Oh my gosh! Like this. This is great. Nerds, D and D, cats. So we have officially broken the internet. Welcome to it's, the internet, everyone. It's all my fiance. 
Um, mm. She brought all the cats into the house. All the cats? How many cats are there? There's. We also just got a kitten. Um, so, oh. dose. His name is Chipathy. Like Timothy, but Chipathy. Chipathy, mm -hmm. sure. Why not? Do you uh, yeah. always call him full, like full name Chipathy, or has it been shortened? It's I can imagine Chip. it's Chip. Chip. I was yeah. gonna say that easily could get clipped, but Chipathy, I I do, yeah, I do like. He so you know, bring it back. He came out of a D and D character. Uh, when my girlfriend and I first connected, we were working on voices together. We we were on a meeting like virtually, like this in the pandemic. And she had this character who kind of talked with a lisp and his name was Chip and he's like eight years old. And, you know, and she, and I was like, you're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so we ended up dating after that. I would not go around telling people that you got interested in an eight year old with a lisp. <laughs> I know. I got interested in a, in a very pretty girl who could, who could pretend to do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we'll good, go with that. Good clarification. <laughs> Those listening. Oh my yeah. gosh. I love that so much. Um, she loves D D too. And she um we actually just started a podcast together called Critical Role Models, where we talk Ooh. about D D together. Um, so if awesome. anyone out there wants to listen, I'll be posting about it on LinkedIn a bunch, but I love it. Great. I love it. Well, we will be happy to post a link as well to your podcast. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, hey, it is getting to be about that time. And we are so happy to have had you and Tawny on the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you so, so much, Josh. This has been so much fun. And yeah. we have learned a lot. And we have had a lot of cuddles. And uh, we hope that you all will join us. We've had, this has been, I will tell you, this has been the most active our comments have ever been. So yeah. thank you for coming on. Thank you to everybody who has been uh posting all of the emojis and questions and comments in the chat today. That's been amazing. And we hope you will join us next week. Um, we will be having another fun discussion, same time, same place, 8 a.m. Monday mornings. We might be revisiting that time. I don't know, this 8 a.m. thing is kind of killing us. But- uh, Doing yeah. it, we're doing yeah. it. We're a little disheveled, but we're doing it. And we're doing it, we're still here. We are still here. <laughs> Um, we will be having another fun discussion, same time, same place, 8 a.m. Oh. Monday mornings. We might what be revisiting that time. I don't know. We're oh. listening to myself again. I am Great. so sorry. I just wanted to check the comments. Uh, yep. Yeah, sorry. We're good. <laughs> that was me. It's okay. Jamie's technology is... that role. Yeah. I got an at one. <laughs> I got an at one. <laughs> All right. Oh, this was really you. lovely. So Agreed. nice to meet you, Josh. Likewise, Laura. You're so warm. Jamie, you too. I, I really enjoyed being here this morning. So thank you. Thank you all. Me. Take care. Have a good rest of your day. Have a great Bye. week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.